1: Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Guys, we are Wagering Week, and you can get in touch with us at Facebook and Twitter. It is SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. When you go to Facebook, when you go to Twitter, make sure you use that hashtag, hashtag S-G-N. We are on iTunes. We are on iArtRadio. We are on all of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's where you can listen to us. We have a lot to do today. Obviously, lots of NFL action, lots of news going down. Look, Aaron Rodgers won't be there this week. Derrick Henry won't be there for a couple of weeks, six to eight weeks. I expect him back in about a month and a half. Guys, this is absolutely devastating for fantasy teams. This is crazy for DFS lineups. This is crazy for playoff pushes. I think the Titans, you know, everyone's going, oh, yeah, they're going to be just fine. I think the Titans are in a little bit of trouble. They'll make the playoffs, it seems... But I think they're in a little bit of trouble. The Colts have a pretty easy schedule from here on out. Um, that game last week, wow, how important was that? And now you go and you talk about Aaron Rodgers. and Green Bay, most people's power rankings, they were number one. A lot of people started saying they're the best team in the NFL. Now, I don't know if they could get by Brady in the playoffs. I'm not sure they could get past the Rams in the playoffs. I don't even know if they could get past Dallas in the playoffs because we know Aaron Rodgers chokes during the playoffs. But... For a power ranking situation, yeah, they were probably number one. How much does Aaron Rodgers having COVID impact them? We're going to get into all of that. But before we do all that, guys, right, we've got to get into the idea that we do have other sports. So we're going to go into every single NFL game, stats, news, trends, my analysis. We're going to get into it all. But I want to start off with other sports. Because this week we had college football shakeup. We obviously had baseball, little hockey, little NBA. Look, my notes on the NBA are very simply this uh, from a betting standpoint, the Heat are just still being very disrespected. I crushed them last week when I had them with the under against the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are still overvalued. The Heat are just not getting any respect. And what I love to do is I love to play the under with the Heat. Look, the Heat are getting disrespected, and their under has been just money. They have the best defense in the NBA right now, okay? So that's a team to watch. Utah still not getting the right correction when you're talking about what they should be against what they actually are. Denver is getting weak lines. Dallas seems to be overrated right now. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks seem to be a little overrated right now. Phoenix and the Lakers seemingly are always overrated, uh, but I expect that for the rest of the season. Miami's my big play right now and the Miami under. Make sure you pay attention to that. The Knicks, weirdly, guys, th- the market has caught up with the Knicks. I told you in the preseason, you're going to be able to make money on the Knicks. I thought the Knicks were a team that you look at and you go, okay, yeah, we we could really get a a market advantage there. There hasn't been much of a market advantage for the New York Knicks, so it's something to pay attention to. Going over to hockey, look, there are certain teams that I told you guys, I loved Edmonton before the year, and I absolutely love Florida. I picked the Florida Panthers uh, to win it all. Well, both of them are absolutely on fire. One of the stats that I have been mentioning on my personal Twitter account, night after night. And look, I know you got to lay big numbers with him, and that's Connor McDavid to score a point. You want to make money consistently? Think about it like this: you know, even if you're laying three thirty, even if you're laying 310, 330, 350 whatever it is, you're, you're betting a hundred bucks to win twenty-seven dollars. Hundred dollars every night. Hundred dollars every night. Twenty-seven bucks. Twenty-seven bucks. 20, the guy is scoring a point in every single game. I mean, he just is. This is where Connor McDavid is right now. So that is something to kind of pay attention to. Overall, the Edmonton Oilers are an extraordinarily good offensive team. We know how good they are. We know you got a, a pure number one who's setting all kinds of records this year on pace to do that. We have a pure number two. Now they have a three and a four. But their defense is actually playing pretty well. It's something to pay attention to for Edmonton, Florida. No one believes in this team. They're continuing to be undervalued. That's something to watch as well. The Vegas Golden Knights, our buddy Rob Mish wrote me this week, and he said, Yeah, you might hit that Knights underlook. One of my biggest preseason plays was that the Vegas Knights were going to go under their points total. They have looked like a mess, but nothing like the mess that the Blackhawks have looked. The only thing is that, from a betting standpoint, Vegas is still getting big numbers and they're still overrated. The Blackhawks have kind of come back down to earth, and and it doesn't seem like many people are betting on them or have faith in them. I think they will eventually turn it around, but right now you can make money on that. The last team is Toronto. Look, Toronto is getting a ton of shots on goal. I mean a ton of shots on goal. And you look at Toronto, and you go, Eventually, these shots are going to start going in. Mitch Marner looks lost out there, and Marner's been one of those guys that I've consistently made money on, made money on with props, made money on just overall his consistency. Uh, he's been absolutely lost out there. You have to expect him to pick it up. I know Matthews was hurt a little bit. I think you could start pounding Toronto in the over very, very soon because the market correction's going to tell you, yeah, they're going to correct for this Toronto team. Something to watch there. All right. So I want to kind of give you a quick overview of that. Now let's get into a little college football. Okay. Because everybody screams and yells and flips out about the FCS, uh, uh, you know, college football playoff committee and the committee doesn't know what they're doing. Look, the committee doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. They are lost in space. They are awful. They're terrible. Uh, Every year they're terrible. I I think about, you know, the BCS committee and you go, oh man, they're horrible. Well, what about the voting? I would rather a split national championship. I mean, I really would. At this point, to me, the biggest travesty in the history of college football happened when Alabama played LSU during the season. They didn't even play in their own SEC conference title game. And this is, you know, probably about a decade now ago. Uh, they didn't play in their SEC title game. They lost, and they still went on to the championship to play the same LSU team. Eventually, went one and one and was crowned national championship uh, champions. Since then, it's been a disaster, and I think it's going to continue to be a disaster, guys. And don't tell me this eighteen playoff whatever. No, it it's called favoritism. We talk about it all the time that this system that we have in place. I'm not talking about the playoff committee. No. The system in college football that we currently have in place is very simply this. Not all teams play with an equal playing field. It's just that easy, right? If you're Alabama, you can lose a game, no big deal. If you're Ohio State, you can lose a game, no big deal. If you're Clemson, you can lose one game, no big deal. There are about five or six schools In the country. Now, you could argue maybe Ohio State doesn't get the leniency. Maybe Oklahoma doesn't get the leniency, obviously proven this year. Uh, Maybe Clemson doesn't get the leniency, but you can't argue that Alabama doesn't. Okay? So to me, you have a preseason ranking, which is ridiculous because all that is is saying recruits, right? So you have a preseason ranking that is strictly based on nothing but recruiting, and they go off of that preseason ranking, not the resume in front of you. You know, we get into a situation where you have to ask yourself a question. Does it matter, you know, what Vegas would think? Because everyone's going, well, you know what? Alabama deserves to be number two. No, they don't. Alabama doesn't deserve to be in the top ten, guys. Okay? And I don't want to hear the argument. Well, look, if, if Alabama played anybody else, they'd be favored. Everybody but Georgia. You're right. They would. Okay? But is this a matter of just pure athletes and pure skill? At pure athleticism? Or do we want accomplishments to mean something? I argue this all the time with the guy we're going to talk about later and Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. You know, Aaron Rodgers um, defenders, people that love Aaron Rodgers will say, no one else could make that throw. Nobody else could do that. Oh, he's the most talented. Oh, he's the most... I don't care. I want to see results. I don't care if you're the most talented. I want to see results. Look, a guy that I love, I I actually own an Auburn baseball jersey of this guy, is Bo Jackson, right? The most talented athlete I've ever seen, ever. Is Bo Jackson a better player, overall better football player, than uh, Tom Brady? Not at all. Is he a better athlete? Of course he is. He's not a better football player. Is, Is Bo Jackson a better athlete than Derek Jeter? Yeah, absolutely. Is he a more accomplished athlete? a better baseball player? No, not, not at all. Not even close. So, you know, the, the, the attributes of, well, they have talent and they could beat anybody on every, Yeah, they can, but they have a loss on their record. Alabama is ranked number two. And I know everyone's flipping out about Cincinnati and I, I'm with you. Look, I've screamed for years, Boise state. I've yelled about UCF should be the national champion. I look, I, I get Cincinnati. People are upset that Oregon is inside this. Look, by the way, Oregon's inside the top. Four, and they're plus 270 to make the college football playoff. That'll tell you just what Vegas believes uh, will happen to Oregon backdoored here. Oklahoma, uh, plus 135 to not make the playoff. So Oklahoma is uh, behind. And and I get it. Look, all the conversation is going to be on the big teams and Cincinnati being left off. And, and what happens to Oklahoma and how much work do they have to do? And, well, what happens to Oregon and are they going to drop out? That is the conversation that's leading the regular media. What I'm talking about here, though, is that Alabama doesn't deserve to be in the top four. They don't. And and yes, Vegas would make them a 15, 16-point favorite over anybody they play. Yes. I saw early uh, prognostications of minus 18 and a half if they took on Oregon, right? Uh, Okay. I don't care. Their body of work does not say a number two team. Alabama beat a 4-4 and Miami team. That's probably one of their best wins. Are we kidding? Right? Are we kidding? They beat Mercer. Oh yeah, mighty Mercer. Then they beat Florida. Yeah, Florida's four and four guys. They beat one and seven Southern Miss. They beat four and four Tennessee. Okay, now they did beat five and three Mississippi State, but again, five and three—you are doing cartwheels about Mississippi State and six and two Ole Miss? But they also lost to six and two Texas A&M. So you look at a team like Alabama, and I go. All right, their biggest win on the season, their most impressive win on the year to date is against 6-2 and Ole Miss. A two-loss team, 6-2 and Ole Miss. But they also, their t- second toughest game is 6-2 and Texas A&M. So the two teams with the best record that they've played, they're one and one against. And then you get into basically 500 teams. Okay? And, and you're talking about, well, Florida has a name and Miami has a name. Yeah, they got names. Tennessee, it's a name. Not a good product on the field it's not a good product it's a name but it's not a good product so this is now how do we relate this to sports betting well people are going to overreact to the rankings i expect alabama to be grossly overreaction. you know people go oh man they're so good oh they're and then you're going to also have the quote-unquote style points look The committee has made it very clear to everybody that style points don't count. But people still believe that they will count. So you're going to start to see these teams that need it. The Oregon's, the Oklahoma's, oh, they're going to get style points. Are you going to watch them get style points? And I think that their numbers are going to be a little bit inflated. It's something to pay attention to. All right. That's college football. Right. Uh, we, we don't go too far into college football here. I do personally, but you know, on our other shows, we don't go too far into it here. We will as the year uh, progresses and we start to get these huge games in separation. But I wanted to mention that. Let's get on to a little bit of Major League Baseball and kind of close the book on that. From a betting aspect, the Braves are just fantastic. Uh, you know, my co host in Vegas uh, gave out the Braves before the year. Yeah, he gave them out. Tim gave out the Braves before the year, and you could have got them at fourteen to one odds. I heard people getting them as high as eighteen to one odds. I personally have seen tickets at sixteen to one, whatever it was. Hey, congratulations to you guys! This team was what forty-five and fifty-five, and they just never got the love from the market. I hit them for the World Series at plus one thirty. I gave them to all of my members. I hit them consistently throughout this playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, they just were. Over and over and over again, plus money, plus money, plus money, plus money. There was never a fear. Even when they – I had Dave Sharapin on my regular show with me uh, on uh, Want to Bet, on the weekend version, right? And I had him on the show. By the way, you guys can listen to that over on Sports Map Radio every Sunday morning, 11 to 1 Eastern time. So we go right up until kickoff. But I had him on my show last week, and and we talking about football and getting into football. And then we we talked a little bit about baseball because he's a big baseball guy. And at the time, uh, the Braves were minus 450 to win game five, okay, Uh, to win the series. But in game five, they were plus 120. Nobody had any faith in them. Going into game six, they were still minus 200 and change, 225, 250 to win the series but plus money, plus money again. The Braves are one of those stories where you look at them and you just go, you know, the market never corrected. The public never believed in this team. It didn't matter that Max Fried was pitching. It didn't matter how on fire Charlie Morton was. It didn't matter. And one of the things that, uh, you know, sports bettors hate, they can't stand talking about this, but is, look, it's the intangibles. It's the every now and then you can't explain it. Every now and then you look at a team and you go, yeah, I don't know. Statistics, numbers, everything doesn't make sense. But you feel, can I say the magic, right? You feel the magic. And the Braves had that. Before the playoffs began, I started to talk about it. After the first round, I started to talk about it. I took the Braves, and this isn't patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you the market correction. I took the Braves almost every game against the Dodgers. Almost every game. I think I missed one game. I, I And I love the Braves. And you look at Atlanta and what they did, you have to sometimes feel it. So you do have numbers crunchers and analytics guys and, and you know, the nerds that sit back and, and look good for them for making money based on strict stats and trends and everything else. And people ask me all the time, oh, do you use a computer service? Do you use analytics? Yeah, uh, listen, I use all of it. I use any piece of information that I have, but I also watch every game. Because I do understand that emotion does play a role for these players. They're still human beings, guys, right? They are still in a position where you start to feel something. You start to feel it in the city. You start to feel it in the stadium. You start to feel it with the team. And you could feel that with Atlanta coming down the stretch, overcoming these obstacles. You could start to see Austin Riley this year went from, okay, you know, he's a good player, to wow, he's MVP candidate, wow, into the playoffs, oh man, he's a guy that could carry us, but so can Freddie Freeman carry us, and so can can Eddie Rosario carry us, and Jorge Soler, and you start to go, why aren't people in the public giving them any credit? Well, they're not giving them credit because as of, you know, mid-July, this team was an afterthought. And they don't have the big, giant names when you're talking about starting pitching. Max Fried isn't a big, giant name outside of people that know him in baseball. So the public is going to drive the Astros because they've been there before. Because everybody knows Correa, and everybody knows Altuve, and everybody is starting to know Jordan Alvarez and we all know Bregman, right? You're going to know that. So you, when you're starting to bet baseball, especially baseball more than any other sport, it is uh, an idea of okay, who who is the, the momentum going with? Who is the team that's working? You hear it all the time, hitting is contagious, right? Hitting is contagious. It's not a, a fallacy here, right? In the NFL, it's one game. You know what? You're just as good as your last game. In, in the NHL, kind of the same thing, right? In the NBA, look, you know, a, a, a week work. In Major League Baseball, it's streaky, man. We've had, you know, the Oakland A's did, not too long ago won 20 games in a row, right? They made a movie about it. Um, we we have the Cleveland 120 games in a row. We have those streaky, you can't kind of explain it things. So this is why Major League Baseball is so hard to bet on the futures. I give a lot of credit out there to anybody who had the Braves 14 to 1, 16 to 1, 18 to 1, whatever you had them at. Hey, congratulations. Absolutely fantastic job. Congratulations to the Braves. Now we look at next year and the Braves are absolutely loaded again. Do they keep Freddie Freeman? I think they have to. I mean, I, I just think they have to. Ronald Acuna is going to come back. Ozzie Albies is back. Obviously, Riley's back. I mean, they have a lot of their core. They also did this without Soroka. There's a lot to like about Atlanta, but understand where Major League Baseball um, is considered. Well, you know what? It's a smaller. Uh, it's a smaller sport, considering you know people. Are, it's very. Very centric to where you are, very uh, regionalized, and people could kind of just get caught up in this Braves fervor. But just understand, Major League Baseball hasn't been a repeat champion in 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 decades. Okay, teams just don't repeat. So as good as the Braves look, as stacked as they look, you're adding Acuna, you're adding all these guys. Oh man, they're gonna come back. You know, I wouldn't put a dollar on them. I wouldn't go anywhere near this team. Because of the idea that Major League Baseball is just so fluid. Major League Baseball hasn't had a repeat champion in really, truly decades here, guys. So I wouldn't go anywhere near Atlanta as stacked as they are. And this is nothing against Atlanta. This is strictly a betting business decision. I don't care what odds you give me for Atlanta. I think it's hard to climb the mountain twice. It's even harder to climb the mountain twice in Major League Baseball. And this is just a club that you look at and you go, yeah, I don't I don't see them climbing this mountain twice. I just don't see it. All right, guys, let's take a quick time out. Lots more to do. We're going to get into all NFL. Oh, man, we got some big NFL news coming up. All NFL right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now, back to Wagering
0: Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll
1: give you three to one odds. You're out. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, I mentioned it in the college football talk. Look, the odds to make the college football playoff, Georgia is minus 2,000. Yeah, they're in. Oklahoma, minus 175. Alabama, minus 165. Ohio State, minus 165. Cincinnati, plus 180. Oregon, plus 270. Michigan State, minus plus more than 10 to 1 Notre Dame is almost 15 to 1 that is what are the odds by the way I mentioned the uh, Oklahoma no option you know that, that's that's an interesting one and and you know you really look at uh, the Oregon plus 270 that's that's a little interesting the Oregon 270 is is very very interesting all right let's get into a little NFL like I said look Henry is out um, in a fantasy league, guys, I, I I don't think AP is worth the number one waiver claim. I don't think that he's worth that, all of that. To me, you know, Adrian Peterson is going to he's going to play a, a four or five games. He'll probably get some goal line carries. I like McNichols just because he's got the passing downs. I, I think he's safe. I don't think either one explodes. And they're saying, look, they're saying that Derrick Henry will be back by week fifteen or sixteen um uh, we've watched a lot of these guys kind of amp that up i wouldn't be surprised to see him back by week 14 i think certainly in 15 so if you're a fantasy player look that's that's your playoffs i mean that's your fantasy playoffs as far as aaron rodgers goes we'll get into the, that but um this is drastic uh, for the packers going into kansas city this week rams acquire von miller Uh, Look, Von Miller isn't what he once was, but one of the things that I always bashed on the Rams for the last um, two years, years—that their their linebacker play has been terrible. Well, you know what? Look, he's he's looking pretty good. And and Pro Football Focus has him just outside the top 20 best pass rushers. So if he's a pass rushing specialist and just that, which he's more than that, but if he's just a pass rushing specialist, you're still getting a a decent player, okay? And that's what you're getting, decent. Um, Jack Conklin, for the Browns, uh, right tackle, he's going to miss multiple weeks. That's a big blow to the Cleveland Browns and their rushing attack. And massive blow to the Vikings that no one's talking about. Uh, Danielle Hunter is out for the season. Suffered a peck. He's out for week eight. Probably out for the season is what they're saying. Um, and, and and that's huge. Huge. I think the guy, and I've said this for years, that I really do believe that Danielle Hunter is the second best defensive tackle in the league. Now he's moving over to defensive end. We'll say defensive lineman. I, I think right after Aaron Donald, in a world that Aaron Donald didn't exist, we would be going crazy about him. We'd be going absolutely crazy. All right. Let's talk about Thursday night. Mike White and the Jets are about 10.5 point underdogs here. The line opened up at 14. Mike White made everyone believe in 10.5. The Colts are 0-1 against the as the favorite, so they're in a different spot here as well. Look, I made a mention to it earlier that, to me, the Indianapolis Colts are a team that you buy on right now. And before the year began, if you guys listened to my preseason, I said, Look, week eight, week nine is when you're going to start buying on the Colts. Not because I expected them to be this bad. No, I didn't. But their schedule is just a joke for a little while. Now, they got spotting games where they actually have to go and play. But generally speaking, their their schedule becomes a joke from here on out. Indianapolis is going to start streaking in the right direction. Do you lay on a Thursday night, on a short week, against a weird Jets team that all of a sudden looked like they had life under, a new quarterback, even if he is Mike White, do you lay more than double digits? I don't. I never lay more than double digits. I can't stand to do it in any position. This is one of those positions where you go, yeah, how can we possibly lay more than double digits in this spot? You just can't do it, okay? Okay. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, yeah, you know, look, we, we, we can't do that. It's not something that I'm prepared to ever go out there and really sit back and lay the double digits, but I can't take the Jets. I think Mike White had a good week, but I watched that game. I wasn't overly impressed with um, the Jets as a whole. I was impressed with Mike White. Let's be honest. The Bengals should have won that game if not for the lowering of the head, which is a ridiculous call in the first place. Let's talk about those Bengals. Bengals are about two, two two-and-a-half point favorite over Cleveland. I just mentioned Jack Coughlin's going to be out. Uh, Nick Chubb is back. He didn't get the full allotment because Dearness Johnson still had a lot um, of playing time there and a lot of the backfield. They just don't trust Nick Chubb to catch the ball out of the backfield, right? Cleveland last year swept the Bengals in two straight games. That's kind of been the trend. Cleveland's on the uptrend, and Bengals weren't themselves. Look, now Cincinnati's back, but they are coming off of a loss to the Jets, which gives a lot of people doubt. And the Bengals lost to the Jets. Look, the Jets played up for sure. And the Bengals, I wouldn't say played down, but the Bengals played, eh, you know, like the Bengals. You know, they couldn't quite consistently get a running game going. Uh, I would say that their offensive line is still a problem area. I would say that their defensive backs are still a problem. And, you know, you look at last year and you go, all right, the Bengals have a lot going on this year, Uh, but last year, look. Both games were decided by a total of eight points. So they hung with Cleveland, a Cleveland team that was better last year against a Bengals team that is actually better this year. So that's something to pay attention to. The Browns, by the way, cannot get an offense going. Over the last three weeks, they've scored 14, 17, and 10 points. I expect this Cleveland defense to really step up here. Look, Cleveland um, has to step up, and their defense has got to give them fits. But I expect the Cincinnati defense to to also be playing with a little bit of uh, just anger, right? The Lions 45 on the total. That's now up to 47. I expect them to go, you know what? We got humiliated by Mike White. Everyone's talking about how bad our defense is. To me, this is leaning to an under type of game. Denver against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are about a seven-point favorite, which I've seen go up to eight, eight and a half. It might continue to go up against Denver. Look. You look at Denver and you go, they lost Von Miller, but that's not moving the line here. They did get Jerry Judy back. It's, it's, can this offense get going? Terry Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater looked great in the early part of the year. And now he's got Jerry Judy back, and he's got Noah Fant. He's not using effectively. Williams and Gordon are running good, but it's not doing much. Cortland Sutton was lost in the shuffle. Uh, Parker's a good—they got offensive weapons all over the place, but they just can't seem to score. Dallas, meanwhile, doing it with a backup quarterback. The line told us last week, and I mentioned this multiple times on my Sunday show, the line told us Dak Prescott was not going to play before he didn't play. The line this week is telling us Dak Prescott will play. But a lot of people are saying, you know what, I like Cooper Rush anyway. The Cowboys have the top-ranked offense. It didn't help. Uh, it didn't hurt Cooper Rush's uh, value with C.D. Lamb back there, and it didn't hurt C.D. Lamb, who had a great game. Look, when you got Cooper and not Cooper Rush, when you got Amari Cooper, and you have C.D. Lamb, and you have Z- Elliott and you know Pollard, it, it, it's just difficult to do what they're doing now. The Broncos have a second-best scoring defense in the league. Denver has lost their last two road games, but like I said, their offense does have explosive players. I thought that the Cowboys were underrated for a lot of the year, and suddenly, this game suddenly has the speaking of overrated Dallas. Now, that doesn't mean they can't go out and win, So I don't have a lot of faith in this Denver team, but it's starting to feel like too many people like Dallas. Too many people are talking Super Bowl. Too many people believe that Cooper Rush could go in here against a pretty good Denver defense, even without Von Miller, and just have their way with them. I like Dallas if it was under a touchdown. Now it's closing in on double digits, and and, um, I'm staying away. Speaking of a stay-away game, how about Houston-Miami? Look, Houston's garbage. We know that. They're absolutely terrible. But Miami's not much better. Miami's going to be a seven-point favorite. I know that they're at home. These are two of the three worst scoring offenses in the NFL, and the Texans and Dolphins both have a minus-four turnover ratio. That's not good, okay? Miami is in a position where, all right, They said we're going with Tua, but how much did the Deshaun Watson rumors bother this guy? You also look at the idea that Devontae Parker was also on the trade block. He had a big week last week. They have weapons. I like Waddle a lot. I like Gizeki a lot. I really do like Parker a lot. I like Miles Gaskins a lot, and I can get into the idea that Tua can really move the ball and have some really good games Tua's had a couple of good games here. I think Tua can be your quarterback. Is he winning a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Is he winning an MVP? No, he's not. Can you win with Tua? Yes, you can. Can you make it to the playoffs with Tua? Yes, you can. And this is a game where Tua has to kind of show up and just say, you know, look, I am much better than what you guys are giving me credit for. On the Houston side. There's a question, with Tyrod Taylor come into this game? Is he going to be there? Uh, Davis Mills hasn't looked overly inspiring. Look, he had one good game against the Patriots. But even Houston, they didn't make wholesale changes. I mean, they got rid of uh, Mark Ingram, but they didn't make wholesale changes there uh, when when the trade deadline came apart. And people go, what are you doing? How do you not trade Brandon Cooks? Well, look, this receiving core is a little dangerous right now. You, you know, you got Connolly. You have Nico Collins who's coming up. You do have Brandon Cooks. Miami is great against the pass when Xavier Howard and he should be locking up with Cooks in what should be a great one-on-one matchup all day. But the rest of Miami's secondary is just not playing up to their ability. Jones doesn't look good this year. They're not playing up to their ability. So can Houston be in a position where it's throw the ball all day, try to take advantage of Miami, sort of what we saw when Trevor Lawrence had a pretty decent day against them? Or is this a spot where Miami really flexes its muscles? You know, if Miami has a spot to make everybody in the league go, okay, they can turn this thing around, it's this game. It's everything is on them here. So I I think you have to look at Miami and, and know that their backs are against the wall. Atlanta, New Orleans. Suddenly, New Orleans is on now their third, fourth-string quarterback. I think I might be getting a snap or two. And they're still a six-point favorite against Atlanta. Calvin Ridley walked away from the game uh, for who knows how long because of personal problems. And, okay, get well, Calvin. But let's look at this from a football standpoint. Mike Davis still can't run the ball. Cordell Patterson is still a gimmicky guy, even though he's getting it done. Uh, Kyle Pitts, everyone expected him to to just go crazy. Well, he's double-teamed because there's nobody else there. No one's afraid to gauge. I'm sorry. So you put, you know, the New Orleans Saints against this team. I get why the line is six. I understand it, but I don't love it. Is it Trevor Simeon? Is it Taysom Hill? We don't know. We don't know if there's going to be packages. New Orleans is also one and three against the spread as a favorite, right? Now, the Saints have won the last three meetings against the Falcons, so they kind of own them a little bit. New Orleans ranks fourth in scoring defense, second in run defense, and they're holding opponents to under 80 yards per, uh, per game on the ground. But that's fine because Atlanta doesn't run the ball. They don't care to run the ball. They don't even try to run the ball. Now, it's a bad loss, the Falcons, coming off of a loss here you know, to Sam Donald, who was out of the game because of a concussion and all that, right? That's a bad loss. But and, and Atlanta's, by the way, their only wins on the season have come against uh, teams with two or fewer wins. They, they're, they're they're not a good team. But I think that this is kind of an overreaction line when, you, when you're looking back and you go, yeah, I don't know about this. You know, I don't know how much I really, really understand who the Atlanta Falcons are right now. I don't think they're a good team, but I'm not sure with a backup quarterback in this spot, uh, with a backup to a backup, if they should be getting nearly a touchdown in this spot. All right, let's talk about Vegas and the Giants. Lots of bad things going on in Vegas off off the field. Uh, Henry Ruggs, you want to say thoughts and press to the family, and it's just a shame, but We have to talk about a football standpoint, and Henry Ruggs being out is massive, especially if Darren Waller is not 100%. The Giants, they're missing everybody. I mean, everyone's injured here, right? Until you start seeing these names come back, you know, the Shepherds and the Galladays and uh, Tony left and came back, and, of, of course, Barkley, I can't have any faith in the Giants. Now, Vegas is coming off of a bye. They won two straight games since John Gruden left, resigned, was fired, whatever you want to say. And the Giants are playing on a short week. Everything says to go with the Raiders here, but the distractions off the field have to play a role here. And the distractions off the field now cause an on-the-field problem because Ruggs was their number one guy. He was their deep threat. He was the guy that opened up the offense. Even if he didn't get the most targets. Uh, remember Joey Galloway? That's kind of what he used to be. a Vincent Jackson. Or Deshaun Jackson, either. Um, who is on free agency right now. These are the guys that open it all up. Uh, Tyree Kill does it with kansas city except he catches the ball open it up you gotta have a safety over the top and then everybody's one-on-one and you could work in space underneath if i knew waller was healthy i'd be all over the raiders here and if i gotta look at this giants report man i gotta see how they do over the course of the week you can't go anywhere near this until you see an injury report New England, Carolina, Patriots two and a half to three point favorites over Carolina in Carolina. Look, I told you guys, New England's going to the playoffs, uh, or at least they're going to be right there. Their next four games are against all teams they're going to be favored against. They really, really have stepped up. They look good against Dallas in a loss. They look good against the Chargers. They've won three of the last four games. Mac Jones looks better every game. And Damian Harris is the workhorse that Bill Belichick needs, and he wants. Now, the Panthers, they haven't had 200 yards passing in the last four games. You think it's going to happen against Bill Belichick? Remember, last time Sam Donald saw Bill Belichick, he was seeing ghosts, literally. Now, you do look at Carolina and say they did get a good win last week. And Gilmore is now on this team. Is this the Gilmore revenge game? How much of a say is he going to have into what happens here? New England is in a spot where it's tough to run on this Carolina team. Brian Burns up the middle, and and what they do, Shaq Thompson is back healthy. I like Carolina's defense a lot, and I like New England's defense a lot. So who do I trust more? Do I trust Damian Harris or Chuba Hubbard? I trust Damian Harris. Do I trust Mac Jones or Sam Donald? I trust Mac Jones. You know, this is a road game, and it's tough. But I got a couple of things going for me in the New England favor. So I lean New England here, but I can see this game kind of going either way. Let's talk about Minnesota-Baltimore. This is a big-time matchup. Baltimore, well, they're 11-3, or 10-3, I should say, uh, off of a bye straight up after, and during the Harbaugh era. Look, he gets the team prepared. They are also at home, which is pretty big. But I think people are making too much about what they saw in Minnesota. Let's see, what what did they see in Minnesota last week against Dallas Cowboys, a backup quarterback? Uh, you know, what they saw in Minnesota was a team that was adjusting to not having Hunter, who is a dynamic defensive player. But they couldn't get anything done against this Dallas defense, really. Uh, Kirk Cousins in primetime, we understand what his, his limitations are but you can throw on the Baltimore Ravens. You can't run, and that worries me here. Will Minnesota force-feed Dalvin Cook, who is their bell cow back? Are they going to force-feed him all day to try to open up this pass, or are they going to let Kirk Cousins throw the ball? If they let Kirk Cousins throw the ball to Jefferson and Thielen and have it out and air it out against this weak Baltimore secondary that is desperately missing out on Marcus Pierce, I'd be picking the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl if they had Peters in here but you can throw the ball on them. Does Minnesota come in with the philosophy to throw the ball? Look, Zimmer has shown during his time in Minnesota, he's not into that kind of, okay, I'm going to switch it all the time. He is going to try to force the run here, and if he tries to force the run, I think Baltimore gets the win. If he pulls it back, says, okay, well, Cook's my best player. I'm going to run a little bit with him, but I'm going to Jefferson all day, every day. I'll go to Thielen in the in the red zone, and that's the philosophy. I think Minnesota could pull the upset, but I won't bet against Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh. I won't bet against him at home, and I won't bet against him at home off of a bye week. No, I won't do it. I think Baltimore's the better team. I just don't know if the Minnesota Vikings are going to come in with that throw philosophy. Buffalo, Jacksonville, this line opened up as a 13 and a half point favorite. It's crossed the 14, gone into the 15 range. I've seen it up around 15 and a half. Buffalo has won five games by double digits. They are blowing the doors off of the teams that they beat, and they beat really well. Buffalo also had the league's top scoring defense at almost 16 points. That is pretty huge for fantasy purposes, oh, by the way. The Jags are double digit underdog for the first time this year. That's weird, right? You would assume that Jacksonville would be double-digit underdogs quite a bit. No, for the first time this year, they are double-digit underdogs. All right, that's something that makes you kind of scratch your head, and you go, oh, well, I I guess people were believing in Jacksonville. I was one of them. Josh Allen is the entire Buffalo team at this point. He really is. He should have a field day here. Jacksonville could get after the passer a little bit. I expect Stephon Diggs to start having big games. Dalton Knox won't be back for this one because they they don't need him. They're going to sit him down. Don't worry about it. But Beasley has stepped up, and Sanders has stepped up, and Zach Moss has stepped up. This entire offense is massively scary, and I mention the offense because the defense, well, it goes without saying. I thought Trevor Lawrence was stepping up and really putting on a different show. I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy that you look at and you go, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, you know what? As the year goes on, it's going to be excellent. Well. Went into Seattle last week and just looked miserable. And the entire offense looked miserable. I know Robinson got a little bit banged up. Watch his status for this game against Jacksonville. But he won't have a lot of running room anyway. This is going to be the Trevor Lawrence show. And now Agnew has kind of taken over for Chenault. And, uh, you know, Chark is still out. And he's going to be out for the year. Did that really hurt them? Marvin Jones isn't getting the looks that he's getting. Jacksonville is a mess offensively. I think that they're dangerous because of the talent level, but that talent level probably won't happen until the future because Trevor Lawrence isn't getting it done this year. I love the guy. I still think he's going to be a superstar, but he's just not getting it done. He's not going to get it done against this Buffalo Bills defense. And I don't think Buffalo takes this game easy because they did have the loss two weeks ago against Tennessee. Now you also struggled for the first half against Miami. So I think they're gonna be ultra focused. This looks like one of those absolute blowout games. I don't know if I can lay the 15, 15 and a half. You know how I am with double digits, but if there's any team to lay here, it, it would be here. It would be Buffalo to just beat up on Jacksonville. Like I said, I think the future is bright for Trevor Lawrence, but it's not gonna be bright on Sunday. Speaking of the future, all right, guys, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Bet to the future. Well, we're going deep into the future here. I have the 2022 World Series championship odds. It yeah, doesn't take long, right? Right after the game, they were pretty much put out. Well, who's on top? Well, we kind of assumed the Dodgers are five to one. The Braves are ten to one. Like I said. Look, you're not getting that 16, 18 to one anymore. 10 to one for the Braves, Houston and the White Sox, Tampa and the Yankees all at 12 to one, 14 to one, Toronto, Milwaukee and San Diego, 18 to one come the Mets and the Red Sox, 20 to one are the Giants, 30 to one, St. Louis. 40 to 1. The Angels, A's, Mariners, Phillies, Reds, Royals. Royals are 41. Detroit Tigers only 40 to 1. 50 to 1. Let me say it. The Cleveland Guardians. Miami Marlins are 60 to 1. Washington, 60 to 1. Colorado, 60 to 1. Minnesota Twins, 80 to 1. The Cubs, Diamondbacks, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and the Texas Rangers come in at 100 to 1. And that is bet to the future. Wow, some interesting odds there. So, yeah, look, I don't jump on. You know me; I'm king of futures. I love futures plays. I don't jump on anything in Major League Baseball until I see uh, free agency, especially a year like this with such big, huge free agent. And, and there's always, it seemingly, um, there's always some big, giant free agent names, right? I mean, we usually have that. So, uh, Major League Baseball, I wait, I wait, and I wait, and I'll do so again here. All right, let's get into the NFL, the late games, let's have the conversation. Because these late games, guys, the first and foremost, Aaron Rodgers will miss the game against Kansas City at Kansas City, and the line is all over the place. Okay? This line was, it originally opened up at Kansas City minus two and a half, then it fell to Kansas City minus one, then it was zero. And this was, it was a pick'em game before Rodgers and the news came out. Now all of a sudden, look, the the line is getting crazy, and I I get it. You know, I get what's going on um, where the overreaction of Aaron Rodgers. Just to understand, and so we have a basis for this. Aaron Rodgers, how much is he worth? Well, Dak Prescott was worth six to six and a half points last week. That's what Dak Prescott was worth, okay, from the time that the line came out for Sunday Night Football and then the closing line where Minnesota was the favorite— Uh, that line had moved six to six and a half points, depending on where you were shopping. That's what a starting quarterback is in this league. Aaron Rodgers in the same vein with Dak. So you got to understand the rapid movement. I thought Green Bay was going to be the biggest public play for this. I don't know if you could go near this game. Look, Kansas City didn't look good. They're on a short week. They didn't look good on Monday night. We know Patrick Mahomes is broken at this point. He's got problems. Pat... Patrick Mahomes has below six yard per attempt in four of his last six games, guys. Right? I mean, he's just trying to do—I'm sorry. I called this throughout his career. I like Mahomes. I want to root for Mahomes. I actually really do like Patrick Mahomes. Stop with the jump passes. Stop with the no look. Stop with the, you know, the ridiculous—look— Patrick Mahomes thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, that's really what's going on right now. He doesn't look right because he's making stupid mistakes. Dumb errors, jump passes, no look, this, that. Go back to fundamentals. Patrick Mahomes is starting to look like what he looked like at Texas Tech, which was a gunslinger throw all over the field. Not really know where it's coming from. Um, is he still massively talented? Of course he is. But that kind of play gets people down. And Travis Kelsey's body language will tell you all you need to know on Monday night. Travis Kelsey, you could say, well, maybe age is catching up to it. Maybe it is. But Travis Kelsey doesn't look right either. And Travis Kelsey looks uh, lost out there. He looks fed up. His body language is not good. With all that said, Kansas City now has to go up against a top 10 ranked defensive unit in Green Bay. You don't think of Green Bay is a defensive unit, but they are. Green Bay is getting Devontae Adams back. But it's all about Jordan Love, right? I mean, it's going to be Jordan Love. Um, unfortunately, this is it, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have never been on the same field together, and we're not going to get it again here. I don't think you could bet this game either way because I don't know how far along Jordan Love is. And, you know, the Packers' running game has been pretty good with the two headed attack now, not only Aaron Jones, but also A.J. Dillon. Let's talk about Chargers and Eagles. This was a three point line, and everyone's loading up on the Eagles. What? You can hear the question in my voice because I don't get it. Look, the Eagles are 0 3 at home. Nick Sirianni's a, a disaster, okay? L.A., I know it, it's it's not a 1 o'clock start, so you don't have to worry about that. It, it, the Chargers look bad against New England, but it, they were out-coached. Do you think that Nick is going to out-coach Brandon Staley, or is that going to be pretty even? I think it's going to be pretty even. So you start to go by units, you know? Who's got a better unit right now, the defensive line and the defensive backs of the Eagles or that of the Chargers? I'm taking the Chargers, D., man. Who's got a better running game right now, Boston Scott and Gainwell or Austin Eckler? Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. Who's got better receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and company, or whatever the Eagles are throwing out there with Devontae Smith and hoping he catches the ball? I'm taking the Chargers. And then who are you taking? Jalen Hurts, who is looking over his shoulder and seeing Gardner Minshew and his great mustache and his short shorts warming up. Or Justin Herbert. I don't understand this line movement. I don't understand people going in on Philly. I don't understand what's going on with this at all. Uh, to me, guys, the Chargers have to win this game. If the Chargers don't win this game, my entire idea of who the Chargers are this year, which is a potential playoff team, and, and maybe a division winner, is out the window. I, I can't imagine that the Chargers would lose this game. I really can't. I would, Look, I was somebody that took New England last week. I can't imagine the Chargers lose this game. This is a weird situation that I'm watching everyone load up on Philly. All right, let's talk about Arizona, San Francisco. This should be a good battle. Look, um, the Cardinals, they've won seven games this year. They've scored 31 or more points in six of those, okay? The only time they failed to go over that 30-point mark and really you know, didn't have a great game was when they took on the Niners. It was a 17-10 game, but that 17-10 game the Niners move the ball all day long on this Cardinals team. Now the Cardinals, Murray has an ankle injury. He's hurting. J.J. Watt is out. Uh, you have to start to go, how much was this the Cardinals just streaking at the wrong time? The Cardinals are coming off a 10 days rest, though. I don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury, but I also don't believe in Shanahan. I don't think either one of them are that you know genius coach. If Elijah Mitchell can get this running game going and going early, I think San Francisco's a live dog here at home getting three points against an Arizona squad that is living off of what they've done in the past. But they're living off what they've done in the past when they were completely healthy. They're not completely healthy right now. And that is really kind of telling. How much mobility will Murray have? How much of a problem will Murray and his ankle be? Because, by the way, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is also hampered. So your two best offensive players, I think it's fair to say that, your two best offensive players are both dealing with lower leg injuries that can lose a step here or there. And the Niners are getting healthy. Uh, we don't know if George Kittle's going to be back for this one, but they're getting healthy. Uh, Debo Samuel looks unstoppable at this point. I know Elijah Mitchell's a little bit banged up, but it looks like he's going to be a full go. The Niners are getting healthy, and they're getting dangerous. They, I think they have the coaching advantage. Uh, the Cardinals are the better team, but not at this kind of health. Let's talk about Titans and Rams. And you're talking about health. Well, Derrick Henry... Probably out for the season. I mentioned it earlier in the show. I think he comes back by week 15, 14, 15. So you fantasy guys will be back for the playoffs. But even if he, if, if the Titans go, you know what? Well, we're going to keep you out until week 17 or so. He'll be back for the playoffs. So Titans fans, I, I think you have that. Titans go out there and they bring in Adrian Peterson. And for all you McNichols lovers out there, which I think McNichols could be great, they didn't hesitate. They went out immediately and got a 36-year-old backup. And they had assigned Deontay Foreman as well, who used to be on their team. Uh, They don't have confidence. And a lot of it is depth because Evans is out for the year. I get it. This entire offense runs on Derrick Henry. So uh, the obvious choice here is, well, you know what? They're going to throw it all day long. Well, Julio Jones is still banged up. And I like Anthony Fersker, but he's been banged up most of the year. So this is on Brown, and pretty much that's it. How much confidence do you have that Ryan Tannehill can step up the way he already did last year, step up and really take control of this game? That's what you're asking yourself. Because the Rams are an increasing favorite. They opened up at 7. It's up to seven and a half, 8, 8.5. I get it. The Rams are at home. The Rams offensively look unstoppable. And the, the Titans defense, I'm sorry, they're still bad. I know they've had good games. No, no, no. Titans defense is bad. Cooper Cup's got to have a field day. Daryl Henderson's going to have a field day. Matthew Stafford's going to have a field day. Watch Van Jefferson have a good game. Uh, Wood should have a good game. He's getting the targets. He's got to start pulling those in. I I think the Rams offensively have a good game. And you've got to say, you know what, to the Titans, can you score 30 without Derrick Henry? Because the idea to keep the Rams off the field is gone. That would be, look, the game plan for this game would be run the ball all day, keep Stafford off the field. That's gone. That idea and that philosophy is just not a reality here. So what can this team do? What can they possibly do? Well, they are going to have to just be in a shootout? Do you like the Tennessee Titans in a shootout? Do you like the Tennessee Titans throwing it all over the field against a team that knows what they're doing? Look, Jalen Ramsey should be one-on-one with Brown and shut him down. Dare him. But guess what? If Julio Jones is not 100%, Jalen Ramsey could go, guys, give me some help. He probably won't because of his ego, but he's going to go, guys, give me some help. And the safety is going to lean over. If you eliminate Brown for this game and rely upon a banged up Julio Jones, uh, Jeremy McNichols coming out of the backfield and Anthony Fersker, this is going to be a complete disaster. Rams will destroy this team if that's what you're doing. I think they got to come up with something creative. I think they have to really, really rely upon Ryan Tannehill being what we saw last year not what we've watched this year. All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Bears, Steelers. Bears are the number one team in the NFL coming into last week towards the under, but Justin Fields exploded last week. All of a sudden, Justin Fields looked really good. He was running the ball like crazy. Bears fans were excited, and the Bears still lost. And they lost pretty convincingly. Now they come in almost a touchdown underdog on the road, Heinz Field. Mike Tomlin was a guy that people were writing off. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to take the the, uh, the USC job. Oh, come on. He put the rest of those rumors, and Mike Tomlin is a guy that right now you're looking at and you're going, wow, Pittsburgh is, is back. Look, Pittsburgh is back. Before the year, I told you one of my best bets of the year, my two best bets of the year were. That Harris scores eight touchdowns or more. I loaded up as much as I possibly could on everything with that. And the other thing was that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win eight or more games. Because I'm like, they're not going to only win seven. The Steelers have now won three straight. T.J. Watt has eight and a half sacks. This defense is on fire. And you look at the Chicago Bears, they have things coming into this game that is going to be very difficult to handicap because Mack should be back. He was out last game. I don't think the Niners have as much running success if Khalil Mack is in there. Um, Hicks has been banged up all year. He looks like he's going to be back and healthy for this game. So you give me Hicks and all of a sudden Mack to try to shut down Harris with, of course, Roquan Smith, you're going to have to rely upon Ben Roethlisberger to throw because the Chicago Bears are susceptible in the back level. So, do you believe that Ben Roethlisberger can throw Look, Deontay Johnson's fantastic. Claypool's had a little bit of a disappointing year. But it's a matter of, do you trust Ben? Do you trust Ben with guys in his face? Do you trust Ben to go downfield? And in the same respect, the Chicago Bears, as much as Fields has looked good, Allen Robinson has looked just as bad. Okay? He's looked god-awful. And Fields only has one game where he looked good. And they still lost. Mooney has looked good in spurts, but he's kind of a deep guy. You expect Fitzpatrick to shut him down. So where are the Bears going to have to kind of win this game? All right, well, Jimmy Graham's back from COVID. And Cole Komet could step up, but you don't. uh, Am I putting my money on Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet? Absolutely not. Where the Bears need to win this game is Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert has to do what he did against the Niners, which is, you know I'm running, I'm still going to be able to run. I don't think you could run on this Pittsburgh team. But I do think you could get some screen passes off. I do think you could get those short passes off. And those short passes are what Justin Fields can really accomplish with with, with, uh, Khalil Herbert. I mean, Herbert's fantastic when you're getting him out in space. And that has been kind of the formula here. So, the Bears don't necessarily need the running game. They need to scramble with Fields. They need to dump it off to Herbert. But what they absolutely have to do is watch Justin Fields take the reins off like last week. Now, I'm going to say this. Last week, Matt Nagy was not on the sideline. Now, the Chicago Bears lost the game, but their offense looked better than it has all year. Now, Justin Fields lost the game, but Justin Fields looked like the player we thought we had if you are a Chicago Bears fan. That was without Matt Nagy. Nagy comes back to the sideline. You know he's going to want his hands in all the offensive play calling. And all of a sudden, what is this? Is Matt Nagy in a position, because I think he's trying to save his job. Is Matt Nagy in a position here where he saw what happened last week and he says, okay, I'm going to let Fields run all over, throw it, be creative, and be Justin Fields? Or does he say, you know what, I'm going to go back to being the Matt Nagy offense. If this goes back to being the Matt Nagy offense, the Bears might get shut out. And I'm I'm serious. I, I am absolutely serious here. If this goes back to the Matt Nagy offense and they can't run the ball with Herbert, okay, and Robinson is still a mess, Justin Fields will be throwing two or three interceptions. I could see Pittsburgh winning this game forty to nothing, literally. But if they open it up like they did, Justin Fields is dangerous enough, and Herbert is dangerous enough, and Mooney could catch a ball or two, and it's dangerous enough to keep this game close. The over/under for this game is forty. I've seen it down to 39 in some spots, so you expect a very close game. It's going to be a cold night in Pittsburgh. Laying the field goal, I wouldn't have much of a problem with with Pittsburgh. Laying nearly a touchdown in a low scoring game, I start to get a little weary. I think everyone is going to be on Pittsburgh. I just don't know if that's smart reasoning to go there. I think that Pittsburgh is the better team at this point. You know, and I'm a Bears fan. I think Pittsburgh is the better team, but there's just enough danger in the young guys on the Bears to make you have a little pause. And you don't want to lay nearly a touchdown with Ben Roethlisberger's arm. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Hope everybody enjoyed. We'll talk again next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.